0: If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for who you are and how glorious and how great your compassion, how perfect your love. Thank you for what you've done for us on the cross, Jesus, and the life and the grace and the truth that we can now live in. We praise you, Father, that we can be here and worship your throne. And you tell us that the praise of your saints is like sweet incense before you, Lord. So would you receive our praise? Would you receive our prayers? Would you receive our questions, our doubts, our confusion, our praise, all of it? We know that you hear us. We know that you answer us we just love you so much father we pray that as we hear from your word now and understand more about you that you would open our eyes and our hearts to receive and for those who don't know you lord would they see your great mercy and compassion and love for them Uh, be with marv now as he speaks lord would it be your words speaking through him and would you increase and would we decrease in this moment lord jesus we love you so much and we give you all the praise in your name we pray amen
1: good to sing, right? Amen. Yeah. Could have just kept doing that. All right. We are looking at John 3:16. It's a verse I've never preached before, but it's one we've all heard before, right? We see it on signs, maybe in Sunday school it's the first verse you memorized. We all know it. It's so familiar. We might not appreciate it. It's so familiar, we actually might not understand it. All right, I'm not up here alone, right? It's so familiar, I actually hesitated to preach it. At the start of the week, this wasn't the passage I was going to preach, and then it came to mind, me and Cheyenne were talking a little bit, and I honestly said to him, like, i don't, I don't, don't want to preach this verse. It's too familiar. But, but then God laid me down in it. And he helped me understand it. And he spoke to me from it. And here's what I came away with. I had to preach it. Because here's what it says. God's gift of love gave us the gift of life. Yeah, let me say it again, because I want you to go home remembering it. God's gift of love gave us the gift of life. Oh, yeah. Yep, I love it. I'm not by myself. Look at it. Tell somebody, look at verse 16. Say it. Come on, say it. Yeah, it's all right to talk. You're going to talk in heaven. Talk now. For God so loved the world... All right. let's See, the kids are doing it for us. Let's do it again. Go again. Go again. For? I love hearing how some of you know it in like the King James Version. Some of you are doing like NIV. Some of you are like New Living. It's all right. Now, if you've ever wondered what made Jesus come, if you ever wondered what made him embrace sacrifice, if you ever wonder why, what made him embrace suffering and shame, it's the love that God has for us. God sent his son. What do you say? Love came down. God gave us a gift. God's gift of love gave us the gift of life. I wonder if there's anybody in here who's grateful for the gift. The A. Carson said, God's love is to be admired not because the world is so big and includes so many people, but because the world is so bad. All you got to do is turn on the TV. All you got to do is look at some of the things that we do sometimes. God's love is to be admired not because the world is so big, it includes so many people, but because the world is so bad, it's a broken place, a place that needs healing, a place that needs restoration, a place that needs to be restored, and God promises that will happen. God's love for the world, God loves the world with a selfless, costly, the selfless, costly love of redemption. See, the love of God was not floating in abstraction. It was actually embodied in human flesh. That's why we sing, he took on flesh. The fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness. I was cleaning out my closet last week, just happened to be home, and I was like, let me do something productive, And uh, because it was bad. And uh, as I was cleaning out my closet, I found these pants and uh, we were going to my cousin's birthday party, so I brought the pants, and I gave them to my mom. And I said to my mom, hey, can you give these to my uncle? If some of you know, some of my uncle struggles with some mental illness. He was homeless for a while, and then, you know, we found him, and he's back home, and he's with the family. And I gave him, the, my mom, these pants. And then I'm going to pick the boys up from school on Tuesday. And I'm walking across the grass, trying not to slip because there's ice everywhere. And then God was like, You didn't give your uncle your best. (laughs) (laughs) And I almost stopped walking. The Spirit was like, You gave your uncle the pants you didn't want. And then the Spirit said, That is not the way God gives. The best God had, that is what he gave to us. He gave his only begotten son. The best he had, that's what he gave. We sometimes, we don't give like God. And what this text does, it actually challenges you to be a person who's willing to give other people your best. Not just the things you don't want. If you're going to live like God. Giving like God gave us his best, and it's a gift that keeps on giving. For God so loved the world, it says, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God's gift of love gave us the gift of life. Now, to appreciate this verse, you gotta remember it in its context, because this verse comes as Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, was a Jewish man. And when he hears, for God so loved the world, that phrase would have shocked him. Because in that culture and context, he was convinced that God's love was for only for people like him. And Jesus looks at him and says, no brother, you got it all wrong. God loves all people. He loves Jews and Gentiles. See, you have a God that doesn't practice discrimination. Amen. He loves Jews and Gentiles. He made all people. He loves all people. And he offers salvation to all people through his son. Amen. The incarnation, what this text teaches is that it was a global mission. You're going to a place that's going to be full of diversity. So if you've got a problem with it, you might not be in the faith. It's going to be, what I say last week, the worship's going to be wonderful. The stories are going to be special when you get to glory. And the food is going to be fabulous. Right? Rice and peas is going to taste right. <laughs> Trust me, that stew peas is going to touch you in a different way. Some of you are like, what's that? Talk to the Jamaicans in the room. It's going to be a beautiful place. The other thing it teaches is that God is impartial. He's in, he loves all People, for God so loved the world that, who, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, that word believes is talking about active trust. People who have eternal life believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the true spirit-filled man who lived free from sin. They believe that Jesus is a true spirit-filled man who took our bad record and gave us his righteousness. In our place, he died. They believe that Jesus is the true spirit-filled man who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. When he was a baby born to die, right? When he died, he rose again. Do you know what that said when he rose? Your sin is covered. You're in a good place with God. All things, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, has been made right for you. You are going to glory. God is actually working on you, sanctifying you. You're going to live in this redeemed, glorified, beautiful place with your sin. Savior. They believe that Jesus is the true, true spirit-filled man who will give us more life at the resurrection. I'm not making it up. Listen to this. John 6 verse 40 says, "This this is Jesus speaking. He says, this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes, everyone who looks on the Son and believes. I wonder if you truly believe in Jesus Christ. I wonder if you're outside of faith, of the faith right now, but the Lord is pressing on your heart to say, today is the day to actually step in. Today is the day not to fake the funk, but to actually believe in the one that I have sent. Anyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And watch this, and I will raise him up On the last day, what I say? God's gift of love gave us the gift of life by giving his life. What did Fred Hammond say? Manger born, but on a tree, he died to save humanity. Jesus gave it all so we could have it all. Good things are coming. And here's the thing. Eternal life is something you actually have now. Every time you guys give me the privilege of being your pastor and spending the the week, not all the week, not the entire week because it doesn't take 40 hours to write a message. I'm doing other things. But you give me the blessing of of stepping back and studying and getting ready to stand here to speak to you. God shows me something and I'm like, I never knew that. Remember I told you at the beginning, this is a verse that is so familiar that you might actually not understand it. Well, I was talking about myself. Because there's something in this verse that I never saw before ever and didn't realize. And it's this, that you actually have, we have eternal life now. Look at it. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, I went to full school for football. So I'm not that. So I Googled the word I have. See, I did. I did. And the definition, I hope I don't mess it up, says it's to be in possession of something. I mean, did I get it right? The smart people. And it's this idea that you have it now. And again, I'm walking to get the boys. A lot of things happen when I'm walking to get the boys. And the Spirit was like, you have it now. That there's this thing that it's in, you're, it's in, you're in possession of it. And if you read the entire New Testament, it actually says, in I think in First Peter, that it's being guarded. Ephesians 2 says that you have been, that God has raised us up with Christ and we are seated in the heavenly places. You're living here, but there's this, this reality that your, your life, this new life, one for you in Christ, is protected, being guarded, and you have it now. And, so, and sometimes in the struggle and in the grind of life, there's something to remember. I have eternal life now. Here's the other thing. Once you have it, you can't lose it. Oh, let me say it again because it didn't touch you the way I wanted it to. Once you have it, you can't lose it. Say amen. amen. Tell somebody you have it. Ephesians 1 says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, watch this, and believed in him. We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. You are saved. You are being saved, sanctified, and you will be saved. And the Holy Spirit that is in you is this down payment, this guarantee that you are sealed, that no one can take this eternal life that you have coming to you and it will go on forever. You have it now, you can't lose it, it'll go on forever. Now you're sitting there and you're like, well, what are we gonna do? Well, first, couple questions, let me get it right. Where will we live? Don't you ever wonder that? You hear this idea of eternal life? I told you, the Bible's not fairy tales, it's not just made up, it's a true reality. Don't you ever wonder, where will we live? In the new heavens and the new earth. Revelation 21 says, this, all this brokenness will be re- renewed and remade. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them. And they will be his people and God himself. We'll be with them as their God. We'll be with the Lord. Renewed, restored creation. It'll all work right. Then you're like, what will we do? Are we just gonna float on a cloud? You know, that Philadelphia cheese commercial? Is that all you do? You just hang out, do nothing? Are you gonna be bored? No. We will sing, we will work you will build friendships. I've said this before. I don't know about you, but one of the guys I want to meet in the Bible is Moses. Moses, Moses, Moses. Just read that. The man's life was hard. Right when he lost his patience, I'm like, oh, I can understand that. You're going to build friendships. Isn't there some people in the Bible you want to ask a couple questions to? Don't you want to get to know them a little better? John, what was it like to lay on the breast of Jesus? That's what he said. You snuggled with him. Were the other guys jealous? Did you walk with a skank after, you know, like one of these? What? Sometimes we we don't put our imagination in it. The woman on the, what was it like when nobody was talking to you? When you were all by yourself and then this carpenter, this, this man who just looks like he has nothing sits down and gives, and gives you time and listens to you and talks to you and showed you that you met. Don't you want to ask that? What was that like? For the first time in your life, did you feel like God saw you? Don't you want to ask Job? What was it like when you lost everything? How is it that in all that struggle, Job, how is it that in all that trial and suffering, you can still look at God and say, even if he slay me, even if Satan continues to attack me, I will tr- I'm not going to lose my hope in God. What was that like, Job? There's all kinds of people you don't know, and you're going to become friends with, and you're going to talk to them, and their stories are going to blow your mind of the mighty works of God. You're not going to be bored. We will create. Well, Rochelle's going to write some good poems. She's going to write some good books. Sam's going to buy them. <laughs> Me too. We will fellowship. And you know what goes on when we fellowship, right? We eat. Mm-hmm. There's a verse in, the, in uh, what is it, Revelation says that there's going to be prime cuts of meat. We will learn. Do you know how much you don't know about God? There's a, it says, I think John says that if, if everything that Jesus did was written down, the, the books could not contain. You know how much you don't know? You're going to learn. Here's this next one. You're going to rest. Yeah. I put on my good tie to be able to say that to you. You live in a time right now, even right now, when it's like, oh, it's a holiday break, right? Do you feel rested? You ask people to do something, they're like, let me get out my calendar. I might be able to see you in February. We long to rest and then we get a break and what do we do? We get busy. And when you get to glory, you're gonna sit down and you're gonna rest. You're gonna actually be like, God. God rested, why don't you? Right? I grew up in a family where it's like, if you skip Christmas, mm, somebody's coming to look for you. But sometimes you're so tired, you need to say, not today. You're going to rest. Then you're like, what should we do now? How about this? Rest. Sing. What should you do now? Work. Honor God at your job. Do well at your job. Bring glory to God at your job. Don't complain about your job. Trust that God has you there, and if it's tough, he's sanctifying you. You're like, I don't have a job. Well, your job is to look for a job and trust the Lord. I don't say that to be rude. I just say that to be honest. What should we do now? Build friendships. I told you all the time that this is a church where we want to know each other. That we're not trying to get big for the sake of being big. We want to be in each other's lives. We want to know what's going on with one another. We want to be able to pray for each other. We want to be able to support you if a struggle comes. So don't stand on the outside. Walk across the room and say, I've never met you. What's your name? I'm going to spend glory with you. I better get used to you now then. What should you do now? Create. Fellowship. Learn. How about in the midst of the busyness, just slow down and make some time for God? Get into some of those those, uh, books of Scripture that you've never read before. And you're like, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to believe that God is going to speak to me. I'm asking him to. Show me things, Lord, that I've never seen before. Here's this next one. What should we do now? Behave like God. Behave like God. The gift God gave Reveals his character. The gift God gave shows us that God is loving and impartial. He sent a savior for all people. It shows us that God is selfless selfless and generous. He gave his son to an undeserving people. The gift showed us that God is thoughtful and aware. He saw our need and did what was necessary to meet that need. The gift showed that God is merciful and forgiving. He didn't turn his back on us, even though we turned our backs on him. He sent his son to save us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I wonder how can I protect my relationships? How can I show people they matter? How can I minister in the community God has placed me in? How can I grow in character? Well, God says here, I have shown you the path to take. He says, pastor and people, treat all people with dignity and respect. You live in a world where everybody doesn't share your faith. Everybody doesn't think like you. But that's not a reason to be disrespectful. That's not a reason to treat them like they're less. That's not a reason to treat them like they don't matter. You don't have to be on the team for me to treat you with dignity and respect. You're just a human being made in the image of God and deserve that. Treat people well. Forgive people who have hurt you. I'm just going to stop. And I've said this before. Forgiveness and trust is not the same thing. You don't have to trust somebody who has hurt you, but you do have to forgive them because your sin hurt God and he forgave you. And sometimes we're like, oh, I'm just gonna make some resolutions and it's all about our weight and our mental health and those kind of things, all good things. But how about you make a commitment in 2023 that I'm gonna actively work to forgive that person that's hurt me. So that this bitterness thing that's eating me up inside, I can actually let that go. See, when you hold on to, uh, when, you, when you are unforgiving, you're hurting too, you know. Because you're still navigating it. It's still, it's still affecting the way you behave. And sometimes our unforgiveness is keeping out of places that we need to be in. And then we're not in those places, and then we're missing out on the thing God wants to do in us. Forgive. Be thoughtful with your words and choices. Practice generosity. Give others your best. Be sacrificial with the things God has given you. This last one, keep the faith. You're like, what should we do now? Keep the faith. In John 6, there's a whole bunch of people who are Following Jesus, there's a a crowd, and Jesus tells the crowd, he's honest with them, he gets real, you know how Jesus, he's like, I'm just going to tell you what's going on so you make good decisions, and he's honest with the crowd, you know what he tells them? Following me is hard. That's what he says. He's feeding people, he's healing people, and people are starting to show up. And so he has a cl- crowd-clearing conversation. He says, following me is hard, not easy. And you know what starts to happen if you've read John 6? People start going home. A whole bunch of people just pack their stuff up, and they're like, yeah, the bread was good, the, the, the meat was good, but we're, we're not following this guy. They go home. And then you know what Jesus does? He turns to his disciples. And he says, do you want to leave too? And you know what Peter says? Where should we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where should we go? You have the words of eternal life. And this theme, I've noticed this, This theme of endurance keeps coming up in our church. And I prayed and I was like, God, why, why does this keep coming up? Why? This is actually the third week that I've mentioned endurance, this idea. And I said, why does this keep coming up? And he reminded me, the spirit of God reminded me of this. It keeps coming up because being on the narrow path is hard. Sanjay, you can come if you want. Being on, choosing to follow Jesus is hard. There's disappointment. God didn't promise you an easy life. The first flight I was ever on, the one thing I always remember that the captain never said, he never said there will not be any turbulence. Jesus never told you that. And at Christmas, sometimes we're just like, joy, 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 and all that stuff. And I get it. It's good. But sometimes we're like, I'm not all that joyful. It's tough right now. I'm tired. I'm worn down. The toils, the stress, it's a little bit tough. And you feel this temptation to just say, you know what? It would be easier to just take the wide path, to go with the crowd, to not swim upstream, to just give up on the faith. Jesus looks at him. He says, this is not easy. I'm not promising you some life. This I didn't come to make your life easier. I came to make it better, even if it's hard. And so it requires endurance. You will be tempted to give up on the faith. I know there's some of you in the room right now that that is your reality because sometimes I see you and sometimes I don't. You're in and out. And sometimes we're wondering have you given up on Jesus and sometimes you're in the room and deep down what's going on inside of you is that you're actually in and out you're here but you're in and out and I want to be honest I know that sometimes it's because it's tough that you look down at the things you're commanded to do you look down at the Savior who comes and tells you to live life a certain way and he says I've died for you but you're like why did they do that to my body I'm struggling and you'd rather just step off. It's like on the highway, you're like, I could take that exit ramp. But Peter says, where should we go? You could give up on Jesus, but it's not gonna end well. You could endure with Jesus and you will end up in glory. Where should we go? You could choose not to trust Jesus and it won't end well. You could choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ and you will end up with the King of Kings. Where should we go? You have the words of eternal life to those who Satan is telling you, step off, he's a liar. Tell him, go Put your trust, hold on to the, endure. And as you endure, behave like your king. Yes, it's hard, but he's sanctifying you. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Yes, it's hard, but he is with you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Yes, it's hard, but he's sovereign over you. once, and he will come again to renew and restore. God so loved the world, say it with me, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I don't know about you, but I want to stand up and sing. Let's do that now.
0: For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.